From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Well, hey there, and welcome to the Misty Winston Show here on today's News Talk. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to hang out with me. Appreciate you very much. Um, Okay, y'all, so... More David McBride news. Unfortunately, I do not come bearing uh, good news at all. So um, I told I told you yesterday that the uh, judge in the case had denied that David McBride had a right to present a public interest defense. For those of you who may not know what that means, it just means that he uh, is basically unable to say, hey, I broke the law, but I did it because I was serving my country. Um, you know, it's the whole um, I was just following orders thing. You know, I thought we already sorted this, that, uh, you know, you can't just follow orders and expect to get away with it. Well, Australia thinks that you should just follow your orders. So um, they first they denied him the ability to use the public interest defense. His uh, attorney, Stephen Auger, said, quote, his only real argument is that what he is that what he did was the right thing. There was an order. Don't disclose this stuff. But he bled. He did the right thing to use his language. And the question is, does the fact that he's in breach of orders mean that he's in breach of his duty so that he's got no defense? In this case, if that's right and he proceeds to trial, it may well mean that the consequence is that he's got no real alternative but to enter pleas of guilty. And that would obviously shorten things. But he seeks an opportunity to have that critical issue determined by the court of appeal. A jury, if they did have a public interest test, would proceed on the basis that there is a powerful public interest that members of the defense force do obey orders, but circumstances might arise in which that is not in the public interest. If our contention is correct, that there is a public interest component to service, then we accept that in the vast majority of circumstances, it would be in the public interest that a member of the defense forces obey an order. The effect of his honor's ruling is not that orders are relevant to the question of duty, but rather that they trump anything else so that you must obey, end quote. So that was the point of contention. Uh, The McBride defense team was making the uh, case that Yes, he uh, obviously broke orders. He broke the law. He went against uh, what he was ordered to do uh, in exposing the war crimes that he exposed. Um, And the court was saying that there is zero instances. There is zero exceptions. You cannot go against orders. You have to obey, uh, regardless of whether or not it's in the best interest of your country. So that was the first decision that was then going to go to um, the Court of Appeal. The appeal judge agreed with that. And then also uh, the the head judge, Mossup, Judge Mossup, he ruled that redactions must be made before they could be shown to the jury on key evidence. Um, an official from the attorney general's office then removed unredacted documents possessed by the defense from the courtroom. So they initially were going to allow David McBride to um, enter into evidence uh, a bunch of documentation that really is exculpatory evidence. It was really just the evidence of the war crimes. And for those who may not have heard me talk about it, he exposed uh, many things in uh, one of them being the murder of 39 unarmed Afghan civilians by the ADF. Um, And so the judge decided that they uh, first they were going to make redactions. Um, then they decided that they were going to take all of the unredacted documents out. Uh, they weren't even going to let the defense see them, hold them, anything. And they were arguing to put blank pieces of paper in their place. And so the two things, the one-two punch of the judge taking away the right to use a public interest defense, and then them also um, uh, denying them the ability to uh, enter into evidence uh, exculpatory documentation that would show. Um, you know, exactly what David McBride exposed. They uh, decided to just go ahead and plead guilty. 
Uh, so he pled guilty to three counts. Um, there is a chance, um, as Co Kathy Vogan reported from Consortium News, there is a chance that the judge taking away his ability to enter in that exculpatory evidence, that that, that uh, judgment, which has not been appealed, uh, the only thing that was appealed was the public interest defense. Um, so there is an opportunity potentially for them to appeal that decision. I don't know if they're going to do that. I just wanted to put it out there. That is an option. Um, I would assume that they're at least looking at that. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm in the, uh, the the defense team. I have no idea. I am friends with David, but I have no idea. Um, so I don't know, uh, but they did postpone everything until after the first of the year. So David is now out free, um, at least until after the first of the year where they will then hold sentencing. So, um, I'm very upset about this, very obviously. Uh, it's really unfortunate. And if you are in Australia, I want to once again just mention to you that this is happening under the Albanese government who has been prancing around pretending to care about whistleblower protections and journalism and all of that stuff. And he has now failed to uh, protect Julian Assange and David McBride, two Australian citizens that um, are just being uh, thrown under the bus for exposing war crimes and the Albanese government is doing nothing to prevent that from happening. So um, he's going to, uh, you know, need your vote come uh, re-election time. I just want to point that out. He is, uh, he, he's, he's a lot of talk, not a whole lot of action. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, I just wanted to give you that this is probably going to be the last update on that unless there is an appeal. Um, I'm going to try to get David to come on to, to discuss this. Um, I don't know if he's allowed. I don't know if his legal team will permit him to have that conversation, uh, I will ask, but I just wanted to give you an update on where it stands. And my friend has just pled guilty to three charges and is facing potentially 10 years in jail. He was facing uh, uh, 75 years in jail under the five charges with the uh, pleading guilty to three. He's only facing now 10, but there is also an opportunity that he could just kind of get um, like a parole or whatever, just kind of do like community service type stuff. I'm very much hoping that that's the case. I don't want my friend to go to jail. Um, so we will see. I will keep you updated. I will keep you posted. I'll try to get David on or at least get him to comment or something. Uh, but I just wanted to give you that update because that all happened uh, yesterday, today. I don't know. The time zone thing always confuses me. So there we have it. Okay. Don't forget, you can follow me over on the tweeters at Sarcasm Stardust. Check out the Substack, mistywinston.substack.com. There's a write-up for the guest of the day every day. So you can find, follow, and support their work as well. And if you would like, you can shoot me an email at mistywinston at tntradio.live. And if you are enjoying listening to TNT Radio, please help us out. If you think we're doing a good job, let us know. Uh, you can leave us a like or a positive review on com or, or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter, and that helps us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, y'all. Elon Musk is being accused of being anti-Semitic again again, which is nothing new, of course. And this time the accusations come at a monetary cost in the form of lost ad revenue for his social media company. IBM has suspended its advertisement on X after the platform allegedly placed its ad close to pro-Nazi content. Ay, ay, ay. Here with this story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, aka Ruckus. So what did Elon do this time, Adam? Well, let's just ignore a few historical things real quick when it concerns uh, some of these companies that we discussed. But anyways, right? <laughs> uh, according to this particular company, IBM, they have, quote, zero tolerance for hate speech and discrimination. And we have immediately suspended all advertising on X while we investigate this entirely unacceptable 
situation, end quote. Uh, that's what the company said in a statement, according to Reuters. Um, by the way, did you notice we almost made it a whole week without talking about Elon Musk? So close. Yeah. IBM's <laughs> announcement came after a report from left-wing media watchdog Media Matters for America claimed that the company's ads on X were placed next to content promoting Nazism while also accusing Mr. Musk of being anti-Jewish. No, he, it's not. It wasn't like a "Hey, come join the Ukrainian army." They, this was—they're talking about actual historical, you know, uh, hate on the Jews, Nazism. All right, because I know Nazism changes every day. Um, so the Media Matters report said this is just kind of really crazy. Um, but quote: "As ex-owner Elon Musk continues his descent into white nationalist and anti-Semitic conspiracy theories." His social media platform has been placing ads for major brands like Apple, Bravo, NBC Universal, IBM, Oracle, and Xfinity Comcast next to content that touts Adolf Hitler and his Nazi party, end quote, literally. Uh, it accused Mr. Musk of endorsing, quote, the pernicious anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that Jewish people are supporting Hordes of minorities who are, quote unquote, flooding into the country to replace white people, end quote. The endorsement that Mr. Uh, that sorry, the alleged endorsement that Media Matters cited is a November 16th comment by Mr. Musk in support of a post by another ex-user who insisted, the other user, that Jewish communities have been pushing, quote, dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them, end quote. The user said specifically, quote, I'm deeply disinterested in giving the teeniest bleep now about Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing realization that those hordes of minorities that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much, end quote. Mr. Musk simply replied, quote, you have said the actual truth, end quote. And now, now he's in trouble. <laughs> the post itself was a response to an advertisement showing a white father scolding his white son for saying, quote, Hitler was right. End quote. The ad called on to, quote, stand up to Jewish hate, end quote, insisting that, quote, there's no looking away from hate, end quote. Mr. Musk then went on to claim that the Jewish advocacy group, everybody's favorite, Anti-Defamation League, ADL, quote, unjustly attacks the majority of the West, despite the majority of the West supporting the Jewish people and Israel. This is because they cannot, by their own tenets, criticize the minority groups who are their primary threat. It is not right and needs to stop, end quote. When one user said that generalizing the Jewish community is wrong, Mr. Musk agreed. He said, quote, you're right that this does not extend to all Jewish communities, but it is also not just limited to ADL. And at the risk of being repetitive, I am deeply offended by ADL's messaging and any other groups who push de facto anti-white anti -white racism or anti-Asian racism or racism of any kind. I'm sick of it. Stop now, end quote. So, yeah, he's calling for a ceasefire on the on the racist hate going on. And what does he get in return? Oh, that's right. He's full of racist hate himself, clearly. Yeah. Sounds similar to another uh, scenario happening, current events, Misty. But yeah, here we have it. What do you think? Oh, 
I'm so tired of the anti. Everybody's anti. First of all, I love your bleep. You did a great job with the bleep there, Adam. Fantastic work. Um, yeah, it, this is all so. And you said, you know, hey, let's ignore some relevant history about IBM. Let's not. IBM during World War II provided technology used to identify and transport hundreds of thousands of Jewish people to concentration camps. And the company's founder was photographed with, you guessed it, Hitler himself in 1937. So, I mean, and look, look, to be clear, should they be held responsible for things that they did decades ago? I mean, I don't know. That seems pretty egregious. I don't have they ever apologized for it. I don't know. Um, but it just all of this, uh, the anti the anti-Semitism thing, they they it is losing its meaning, y'all. And that's a very serious issue. It is a very real problem. There are people who legitimately hate Jewish people. They perform acts of violence and discrimination in that hatred. That is a real thing. Anti-Semitism is a real thing. And this is very much like, uh, um, you know, when they, everybody's racist. Uh, I loved it when they called Bernie Sanders a sexist. Um, uh, I don't even like Bernie Sanders, but he's very clearly not sexist. Um, and it's they they are taking words have no meaning anymore at all. Like people are just flinging these insults around um, and it means absolutely nothing at this point. And that's what they're doing to anti-Semitism. And it is uh, really unfortunate to witness because, like I said, these are real issues. That's a real issue. There are really people out there who hate Jewish people. That's a thing that really exists. And when you throw these accusations out willy-nilly like this, I don't know Elon Musk. I don't know. Maybe he is anti-Semitic. I haven't seen anything that would uh, that he's posted or responded to or anything that makes me think that he's anti-Semitic, but he could be, he could be, uh, you know, in private, an anti-Semitic person. I have not seen anything publicly that would lead me to call him anti-Semitic. And that's, that's what's driving me crazy is that they're uh, every, everything's anti-Semitic. I mean, like, I, I think we talked about this earlier in the week, Adam, uh, if you even say that, Pal like, I don't want Palestinian children to die, anti-Semitic. What? You know what I mean? I don't, I'm I'm against genocide. Well, you're anti-Semitic. What? That makes no sense whatsoever. And so um it, again, I just think that they are completely diminishing the word. They are taking the teeth out of it and they are minimizing a very serious issue in doing so. And I think it's gross. But what do you think, Adam? Uh yeah. It's it's clearly gotten out of hand. And and it's all intentional. Um this yeah. loss of the the true meaning behind these labels and these words and the history is this is what erasing history looks like because mm -hmm. words have associated meanings. This is why, like, I don't think I've ever mentioned it here on this show, but there's there's a word that's popular amongst one community, uh, the N word, and and I hate that word. And um, the the word was born out of there. There are people who argue, oh no, so you know, there's no historical evidence to show that that was like. That was a word that was co-opted by the white people. No, that was used by terrible, evil people for yes. a terrible, evil purpose. And that word needs to just disappear. But see how it stealthily crept back into society and, and it's lost its actual meaning um, and p the history behind it. And, you know, we, we lose what the, the meaning of these things truly are, like anti-Semitism, racism, white supremacy, uh, genocide. That's another one that's going mm -hmm way of what what we yeah, have no yeah yeah so it's very frightening times this is 1984 um all over again speaking of ibm yeah. <laughs>
right? <laughs> but yes, you're right. I think that they, uh, I think it is intentional. It's an intentional misuse of words in order to, frankly, it, it, it just makes these very real issues incredibly difficult to combat effectively because nobody even knows what it means anymore. Nobody even has the descriptive words to put out there because they've been so overused and so bastardized that people can't even effectively speak about the issues that we're talking about. And it's so unbelievably frustrating. So, all right, Adam, thanks for bringing us the story today. We will talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend. Hang tight. We're going to be right back here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Bruce DeTorres. What happened on October 7th? Was it a surprise, a failure of intelligence, a failure of response, or even something more insidious? To me, it's very believable that there was an intelligence and a military failure. And the reason that that's very believable to me is precisely because of Netanyahu's policies, starting with the policy of utilizing Hamas essentially as a strategic ally to ensure that there is no peace process, to ensure sure that, you know, that this policy of keeping the Palestinian leadership divided, which dates back to 2006 when Hamas won parliamentary elections. And so you had a Hamas-led government in the occupied territories and the Israeli government's inclusion with the U.S. government. Their response to that was to collude with Fatah, which is the the party of Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, to try to overthrow the Hamas-led government. And that failed. And so what this is described in the media as a Hamas coup of a violent coup in Gaza, and that's that's ahistorical. What actually happened was Hamas launched a counter coup and prevented Fatah from over- violently overthrowing the Hamas-led government. Bruce de Torres on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. Thank you! Thank you! To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Today's News Talk Radio. Come on, let the man talk. We never censor our hosts. Good. Now, talk. Uncensored News. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. They do, in fact, never censor their hosts, which is a great thing. Thank you, TNT. Also, don't forget, holidays coming up. Go to the TNT shop. uh, Get you some stuff, some swaggy stuff. Uh, There's hoodies and hats and coasters and bottles and you name it. They got it. Even stuff for your pets. Go get you some stuff uh, and uh, 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 deal with your Christmas shopping or, or holiday shopping. Can I say Christmas? Is that allowed anymore? I don't know. Anyway. All right. Our guest today is Brooke Hines. Brooke is a journalist, podcaster, and former campaign staffer with over a decade of experience in the political and media industries. Brooke has covered everything from COVID to politics, culture, and social idi- issues for various publications. You can find her on Twitter at Nashville underscore Brooke, and that's Brooke with no E on the end. Uh, and you can also check out her writing on Substack at brookhines.substack.com. Brooke, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you back. You were on once before, I think. Uh, It's been a little Mm -hmm. while, though. So you have been working on uh, a really fascinating article 
Um, so uh, this is surrounding the uh, kind of uh, the leftist industrial complex, as it would be uh, in my head. Uh, so and this is kind of surrounding the COVID stuff. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, uh, the, the gist of this article and what led you to start looking into this stuff. OK, um, so. What led me into this is that I used to do this work. So when I was with the working in a family uh, foundation funded progressive organizations, we did exactly what I'm what I'm trying to report on here. And that's part of the reason why it's been a little bit difficult for me, because like this is a true story being told out of school, a tale being told out of school. Um, when COVID started, the progressive industrial complex was on the ground before the CDC was with complete propaganda campaign ready to go. Now, I know how long it takes for the funders to get their directions down to the uh, umbrella groups and then for those umbrella groups to get their directions down to state and regional groups. It takes a while. Uh, yeah. And there is a number of documents that I that, that I'll be sharing that show, you know, each one of these progressive groups pretty much took the information, made it somewhat their own and, and, and ran with it. So there was a lot of lead time. And the, what's kind of stopped me in my tracks is I've been going over the timeline and I'm finding something that really uh, alarmed me is that all of this progressive industrial complex propaganda campaign around COVID rolled out the week that Bernie and Biden had their last debate. March 15. Like it was that week. And and so these groups would have been in training the week before that, because anytime you roll out a campaign, there's there's all of this trickle down training. So there's training mm -hmm. at the executive level and then down through all the organizations. So these guys were prepared with this kind of messaging right when Bernie pretty much laid down and died in in that debate. I mean, yeah. he it was like watching someone throw a fight. It, it yeah. essentially it was so sad. <laughs> yeah, it, just terrible. I it, it, you know, it made the uh, Chapo guys cry. It was oh, so bad. God. You know. That's yeah. It's no, the, so and you're bad. absolutely right. The, and I think honestly though, um it wasn't even that last debate. Bernie Sanders went into 2020 with no intention of even trying. I think it, to me that was very clear uh in 2016 I I I actually felt like he had some intention behind his campaign. He went into 2020 mm -hmm. like he wasn't there was nothing. There was nothing. He I as soon as he started to be fair, I'm a little biased cuz I hated him after 2016. I was done. Um so I was annoyed that anybody was still even remotely considering him, but the, when I when he kicked off that campaign, it was very lackluster. There was no bite to his bark. There was nothing. He had nothing. He went into that, uh, I mean, completely on autopilot. There was no intention or effort whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely, that last debate was <laughs> painful to watch. It was crazy. It was terrible. It was absolutely yeah. terrible. And so uh, this is, this slots into a piece that was reported in Time Magazine uh, 
where they they reported on this good conspiracy is what they called it. It It's reported by Molly Ball, and it it had to do with all of these CEOs joining arms with labor leaders and progressive groups to stop the re-election of Trump, and they called it Protect the Vote. Uh, There was some suggestion that they thought that Trump might try to steal the election or do some funny business. So they were uh, pushing back on that. This COVID stuff got folded in from the very beginning. And Mm -hmm. I I can tell you that I recognize the names in the uh, in Molly Ball's piece from, you know, big wigs that do this, that are funders for for these groups and there is a lot of crossover and she even writes about how how covid played into their game but i'm finding that it's a little bit more well a lot more uh uh involved than that it's uh it, it was core it was it was core to their urgency message that yeah. we have a deadly pandemic and trump's going to get reelected and he's a, a nitwit and so on and so forth Yeah. And they let's also I mean, uh, don't come for me or don't. I don't care. It also opened up the opportunity to shut down polling locations and do more mail in ballots. I'm just saying, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like there's there's that whole aspect of it where the election integrity aspect of it where, um, yeah, they used it as kind of this fear mongering campaign. And listen, I have I was just talking to Charlie Robinson yesterday um, and I don't know that I ever I have ever witnessed a more effective psyop. A more, um, I mean, it was as somebody um, who didn't buy into it from jump, um, watching it play out was equal parts terrifying and fascinating because, um, I mean, the way that they were able to get people to buy into this thing, despite the fact that it was nonsensical, none of it made any sense. it was it when it was all with fear they used fear a hundred percent uh to i mean and then they had people you know <laughs> disowning family members and things like that as well but yeah there's no question about it that this was used uh in their attempt to kind of uh leverage uh trump's idiocy and his despite the fact that he tried real hard to play game like play the game he tried i mean he's mr operation warp speed right i mean those are his vaccines he's still real proud of that um but yeah i think that that's definitely uh one of the aspects that they used to try to convince people that uh Uh, Trump had to go. So let's take a quick break and get some headlines. We're going to be back here on TNT Radio. Turn on the news. News, 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 flash. TNT Radio News. TNT Radio News. This is James O'Neill. Former President Trump railed against reports that President Biden will not be charged in the special counsel probe into his handling of classified documents, taking to social media Friday morning to complain of what he considers prosecutorial misconduct. Russia was trying to reach 40 workers trapped in a collapsed highway tunnel in the Indian Himalayas since last weekend suspended work temporarily on Friday due to a snag with their drilling machine. The men have been stuck in the hillside tunnel in Uttarakhand states since Sunday morning after it caved in. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. All right. We're here with Brooke Hines. We're talking about uh, an upcoming. This is not published yet, right? This is just something that you've been working on. Is that correct? Right. And uh, I'm hoping to approve it over the weekend and get it up probably Sunday, Monday. Okay, cool. So is this going to be on your sub stack? Yes. Everybody goes to. Go ahead. 
Oh, it's brookhines.com. And it's going to be, uh, it, this was winding up being very long. So I'm breaking it up into parts. So it's going to be at least two parter. Okay, cool. Yeah, everybody go subscribe now. Um, that way you can make sure that you don't miss it. This, uh, as she said, should probably be up on Sunday, but I mean, this, uh, this whole thing, when you sent me the article that you had been working on, or at least part of it, um, uh, this, I, I, it's not at all surprising to me. I doubt it will be surprising to the TNT audience, but it is something that I think a lot of people, <laughs> like a, a lot of normies, I hate that word, but mm -hmm. normies would be completely mm -hmm. shocked by, yeah, they, they would <laughs> go nuts yes. over this. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, coming from that environment, it, it it shocks me and it doesn't shock me. And it makes me really, really sad because there is so much uh, potential there and it's it's never going to be used for good because no. it, and th this is what I what I keep coming back around to. And in, in my research is, you know, the progressive movement, people like DSA, they are. Uh, expected to play nice with their funders because they expect the funders to fund their revolution, which <laughs> is insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. Never that's happen. ridiculous. That's, and D listen, DSA has always been a joke. I mean, come for me if you want, if you're a DSA person, DSA has always been a joke. They've always been a democratic party cutout. Um, they are that kind of, uh, uh, the third party that isn't really a third party. They're really just there to funnel people back into the corrupt, uh, electoral system. That has always been their gig. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh the idea that you're right. The idea that they think that they're, donors are going to, you know, fund their so-called revolution is absurd. Um, but there's a lot of people still that buy into that, like the progressive yep. movement. I was, re I'm really frustrated by this because I feel like there's still a ton of people, Brooke, who still buy into this and they still defend people like AOC and Bernie and uh, all those people. And it's, I, to me, it's mind blowing. What is it going to take for you to recognize the frauds that they are? It's crazy. Well, you know, they, they have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of power behind them because they have a lot of money behind them. And uh, the story that I told in the um, on my Substack, glamping in Death Valley, uh, uh, neoliberals glamping in Death Valley. It's the it's the first one you'll come across on there. Uh, I attended a Daily Co's uh, retreat, I guess you'd call it, right after Trump was elected. And the whole point of it was to ratchet up fear about uh, Russia. So we were meeting in Death Valley where no electronics could be surveilled or whatever. Yeah. And um, they unveiled this media strategy at that retreat that was um, that they were going to no longer support independent media and instead they had hatched a plan to <clears throat> use celebrities and software that mimics personas to get their message across so so it, it's a two-parter it's it's you know uh, celebrities like Deborah Messing with like really big followings <laughs> push out a message and then they have a, a an army of AI software that mimics personas that echoes the message it, it's yeah. it's ludicrous mm -hmm. and it's it, it's created a hollowed out left it's it's created a, a left that's that's all, all illusion basically I, yes. and 
you know, it's yeah. it's going to take a miracle for the Democrats to pull off an election in 2024. Unless they cheat. I mean, let's be clear. Yeah, uh, yeah you're absolutely right. I think especially, especially now, especially now, um, you know, not only are we still dealing with Ukraine, now we're in this ridiculous uh, support of genocide in the Middle East. And I'm going to keep saying genocide. People keep saying, stop calling it. A, it's a genocide, y'all. It is a genocide. I don't know why I have to keep explaining that. Israel has never been shy about their intentions. They say it out loud all the time. They say it out mm-hmm. loud. I'm going to keep calling it a genocide. They do. I'm going to keep calling it a genocide. Um, uh, and also, uh, let's not forget that we have Taiwan kind of hanging out in the background. I know President Xi was just here and, you know, they uh, try to paint it as if that was a, a nice and productive meeting. And then Joe Biden called him a dictator uh, <laughs> while, he's still, while he's still in the country. My guy goes out to a press conference and calls the man a dictator. It's just crazy. And I think that I, I'm still not convinced that Joe Biden's going to be the eventual nominee. I think they're going to try to figure out a way to kind of uh, let him exit somewhat gracefully. I don't think Joe Biden does anything gracefully, but they're going to try their best to make it look as if it was his plan or maybe he's sick or whatever. Uh, The big problem they're going to run into, as we've talked about on the show, is how are they going to step over uh, Kamala? Uh, Because she's a mess, too. And they can't step over her um, without looking really sexist and racist, which is a problem for the Democratic Democratic Party. So I don't know. That's uh, completely off subject. But yes, I think that the Democratic Party is struggling hardcore right now. And I think a lot of very desperate conversations are happening behind the scenes. Uh, And I wish I was a fly on those walls. Oh, Well, I'll tell you, there's something interesting in this dynamic, too, because Biden represents the old Obama uh, uh, structure and Kamala Harris represents the Clintonian structure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not just that she's a hot mess. It's that she's a hot mess with all of this Clinton energy and all Mm -hmm. those people doing those Clinton things behind the scenes to you know get their person in office but i think that i think that they want to jump ship with somebody like a gavin newsom Mm -hmm. you know or maybe pull in another wild card but uh i think gretchen whitmer might be a potential too i think they might try to go newsom whitmer because whitmer pulls in the uh well she's a woman um and i thought for a while there that they were going to try to go with pete Buttigieg because he pulls in he checks the lgbtqia plus whatever um he checks that box so i thought maybe they would go with him but he's just so boring and uncharismatic mm-hmm. he has no personality he's just not a very good politician i don't think he can sell it uh potentially he might be okay as like a vice presidential candidate but i don't think he could uh, top a ticket but gavin newsom i think has been um very clearly uh setting the stage for if not a 2024 run an eventual run that dude is gonna run oh, yeah. for president there's no question about that uh it's just a matter of if they are dumb enough to actually go through with running joe biden again which would be a hilarious mistake <laughs> <laughs> but a mistake nonetheless that would be but also i just want to get your take just this is completely off not really completely off subject but did you see the when he called g a dictator did you see Anthony blinken yep. 
Oh, it's so good, you guys. It's so good. For a second, Brooke, for just a moment in time, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, I actually kind of felt bad for Antony Blinken because I can't imagine what it's like to be that guy and trying to follow Joe Biden around and like make sure he doesn't make too big of a mess. That has to be exhausting. He looks tired. Um, I think that might just be like the soullessness. I think that might make you look a little uh, weary. Uh, but he, that reaction, the I mean, the outward cringe, he couldn't even hide it. If you haven't seen it, if you are listening to me right now and you have not seen Antony Blinken react to Joe Biden calling uh, President Xi a dictator, please go watch it. It will make you laugh and everybody needs to laugh. It is hilarious. Um, okay, oh, let's yeah. take another quick break, but hang tight. We're going to be right back with more right here on TNT Radio. The climate agenda is a national security risk. Where do you hear this? From Washington, D.C., this is the Morano Minute with your host, TNT Radio's Mark Morano. The climate and energy policies of California are threatening the security of residents. California has increased crude oil imports from foreign countries from 5% just 25 years ago to more than 75% today. According to Heartland analyst Ronald Stein, California is the only state in the United States that imports most of its crude oil feedstock to instant state refineries from foreign countries. California needs this oil for nine international airports and 41 military airports, as well as shipping ports up and down the coast. Meanwhile, Asia has 88 new oil refineries manufacturing fuel for California's airports and shipping terminals. It's time we recognize that the climate agenda is a national security threat. This is Mark Morano for the Morano Minute on TNT Radio. My dad was a farmer. The guy was bigger than life. He wasn't someone that liked to show his emotion or liked to show when he was struggling, but we all struggle. I want to show emotion to my kids. It's something that brings me so much joy, and I want them to see me working through things. Allow your kids to know that it's okay to struggle, that even dad doesn't know the answer sometimes, but we're gonna figure it out together. Cutting through the clutter, this is the Misty Winston Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, I'm here joined by Brooke Hines. Everybody, please go to brookhines.com. It's Brooke with no E on the end. Um, We're talking about the article that she's working on currently exposing the progressive industrial complex uh, and as she's hoping to have that up by Sunday. So definitely go subscribe so you can check that out once it is released. Now, I wanted to actually uh, talk to you too about, because um, I think this speaks to a broader issue, a broader problem. And I do, I can't speak for the right because I have not really been in those spaces. I hate labels. I don't like to call myself a leftist, but I am often affiliated with the left for whatever reason. It's fine. Um, but I because I am kind of in those circles, I can speak to this. And as an activist, I can definitely speak to this. But your piece, I think, really just highlights the um, the danger of organizations. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I think mm-hmm. in activist spaces, organizations are very easily co-opted. They're very easily controlled. Um, it doesn't take much. All you have to do is get maybe one or two infiltrators in there, um, get them to, a, a, you know, not even like the head of the pack, but to, you know, a, a kind of leadership type position and it's over. Like it's you, you've it, like the work does itself at that point. So um, and I think that that's something that a lot of people that's why for me, when we started a for a action for Assange, it is completely decentralized. There is no hierarchy. There are groups all over the country, all over the world, really. Uh, and like there's no there's no like I'm the leader and you're my there's none of that. Everybody does their own thing. Uh, and I think that that's 
better. <laughs> Certainly less, it's less easy for uh, the establishment to then infiltrate your group. But I mean, what do you think about that? Because I feel like this is, uh, as you spoke about, the, this is, the left has been, the quote unquote left, again, hate labels, but um, it's been effectively neutered. And this is one of the ways, one of the big ways in which they're able to make that happen. What do you think about that? Because I, I how do we combat that? It's a very difficult conversation. It is a very difficult conversation. Uh, it, it, the the mechanism at work here is is grant making and and fundraising. So uh, the Assange groups are not applying for grants from like no labels or you know whoever it is. So 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 there's none of that, and that's the kind of organizing I came from way back when I was in high school and and I my. Uh, uh, parents, my parental units were like, okay, you don't have to go to church, but you have to do something. And so Catholic church, there was like Catholic worker stuff that was all about like Latin America and the war and all of this stuff. And that's what I did. And that was how I got interested in doing all of this stuff in the first place. There was never any money this was always a bunch of poor people who would do potlucks on Friday with like crappy brown rice that was never cooked right. I mean, it was just, you know, yeah, hippie galore, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think we're in a pickle. I think I, I, I think we're in a really bad place because so much of the left is spoken for with all of this money. And mm -hmm. I can see, you know, these younger activists that, you know, get some, there's been a few who get some profile on social media and you can see right when the organization comes in to claw them back, you know, like, we don't want you out there, you know, don't, you know, we have messaging that you need to carry. You're not yeah. allowed to say anything on your own. And it's just so sad because it, it, really takes the wind out of the sails of young people who are passionate and have new ideas and could actually maybe, you know, cut through some of the crap and get some things done. Yeah. hundred percent. It's so depressing to, and you can, you're right. You can almost like visibly watch it happen. We've seen it time and time again, and it's exhausting because it's like, uh, this person has so much potential, but it, I, and I can't, and I'm honestly, I'm a little bit insulted. Nobody's ever approached me with that kind of stuff. I don't know if I'm just like um, too old for that shit or what, but they just, they've, nobody's ever even tried it for me, which is fine. I it's not, I'm not interested, but um, yeah, it's just, it's so depressing to watch. It, I also, I'm sure it's really difficult to turn away from it. I mean, having that kind of, especially if you're young, having that kind of, influence and money and celebrity and all of that stuff kind of thrown in your face. I'm sure that that's very tempting. And I mean, I hate to pick on this one individual person, but it's somebody that my comrades at uh, INN uh, have focused on a little bit. But Chris Smalls, I think, is a great example of this. Yeah. My guy was amazing. Like he did amazing things at Amazon. And now he's out there taking selfies with celebrities. And I, I, I don't know what really he's doing for the labor movement anymore. And I'm sure he's doing some stuff. I don't mean to discredit whatever work he is doing, but I think that there's been a very clear shift in his work. And that's just so depressing. And I honestly don't know how we combat that, Brooke. I think about this all the time because I feel they, like this is one of those big issues. And it's yes. one we don't talk about. We don't talk about this. 
they've moved him into a different position. He mm-hmm. was he he was, you know, like grease lightning down on the ground and he got the job done when nobody else could, by the way. Yeah. And it, and he was in places that nobody else wanted to pay any attention to. And, you know, as soon as he has some success, they take him out of the game. You know, and, mm-hmm. and put him in this PR role. It's really, really sad to watch. Yeah. The um the uh yeah, no, Chris Smalls is is a fantastic example and probably yeah. the, the the best we can offer. Yeah, because he was seriously, I had so much respect for what he did. I was I side eye everybody, so this is not like a thing on him. I don't in the activism space, it's an unfortunate truth. You can't trust anybody. You just cannot. Um, you shouldn't. Uh, you ha- no, you shouldn't. And uh, Well, okay, that's not fair. There are people that I organize with. I'm incredibly picky about who I organize with. That being said, I will work with people. Like um, uh, when the Rage Against the War Machine rally took place, I helped them with their Assange messaging, things like that. And I like Angela and I like other people who are affiliated with it. But I'm very particular about who I personally organize with directly and you have to be you have to be very protective over yourself over your space over all of that stuff because it is so easy for people to infiltrate movements and i don't i'm not interested so i mean i have a very small very small circle of people who i organize with on a regular basis who i trust implicitly no questions asked and uh, i have no reason not to we've been working together for years and they always get the work done but it's just so hard uh when you see somebody like chris smalls who genuinely had amazing potential he He is charismatic. He's great at bringing people together. He wasn't afraid to work with people he didn't agree with on everything. Um, I mean, he he had all of the um, ingredients uh, Mm -hmm. and then they got to him. And it's I mean, I think that's a fair thing to say that they got to him. I think it's very clear that that has taken place. And it sucks because I I, I really had hopes for him. But um, I side eyed him from the beginning because I side eye everybody. Uh, and it didn't take long for him to uh, justify my side eye, unfortunately. Well, and what happens in these groups is that uh, you get a little bit of profile and mm-hmm. let's say you're the director of your your group within a group. You At that point, you're flown around all over the country for trainings mm-hmm. and to, to, to like go to openings of museums, you know, that, you know, have like uh, cultural significance and you're, you're treated like progressive royalty. And it's mm-hmm. really easy for people to get starstruck with that. And, and, you know, honestly, it, you know, when, when you're getting on a plane, a few times a month to go to DC or Seattle or San Francisco, it goes to your head. There's no mm-hmm. way it's not going to go to your head. And it would take and a really being, strong person to maintain a sense of self for sure. And you're being told you're the only person who uh, can carry this message to lawmakers. Mm-hmm. So that makes you like a gatekeeper, you know, w- within your own movement. It's just, it's, uh, and let me say this too, uh, the, the uh, people within these groups know how to use that psychology. They're mm-hmm. very aware of it. It's very manipulative. I mean, I, I, I avoided sales jobs my entire career because I hate sales. When I was, rec- I, I was recruited out of Occupy, which is a whole other sus situation. And the way that people were recruited recruited out of Occupy by the labor unions and these progressive groups was, that's a whole other uh, 
in, in, in huge pile of sus and uh, um, <laughs> it's all like a huge that. pile of sus. I like that. <laughs> it, when I became a, a, an organizer and I was, I was director of, of a, a, a thing called Community Business Organization of Florida and it was the worst kind of manipulation and coercion that you were expected to take out to these small businesses to get them to sign on and to participate in these uh, campaigns that were not good for the small businesses to be involved yeah. in. You know, mm -hmm. like 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 things that are just really risky to people's businesses, and yeah. you know, I I honest to God, they, and they saw it in me too. They, they, they said things like, uh, you know, uh, we've hired people out of who've worked with small businesses in the past. And it's always been a mistake. Like that was said to me directly. And I was like, yeah, cause I see through your bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. But yes, I mean, uh, um, yeah, I don't, uh, and that, I guess it's a good point that it doesn't, uh, it doesn't just impact organizing in terms of activism. It also, they use it on a multitude of things. Anytime they want to destroy any kind of organization, uh, these are tried and true. And listen, it's not like this is, this information isn't publicly available. You can go look up the CIA field manual on how to sabotage an organization. It's on the internet. Their whole game plan, all the things that they use, all the little tricks that they use, uh, it, it's all on the internet. They, it, It's uh, um, RBN, our friends over at RBN, Nick especially, uh, Nick Cruz over at Revolutionary Blackout Network talks about this all the time. Um, because it's, it, to me, as somebody who uh, like looks for this stuff, obviously, because of what I do, it's obvious when it's happening. But I think people just aren't aware of what to look for. So if you're, mm -hmm. if you are an activist, if you are an organizer, if you are it all affiliated with any kind of work that is anything like that go look this stuff up i mean some of the things um like one of the big things is work slowly like insist on everything taking forever um uh constantly advocate being cautious uh being reasonable um uh uh talking a lot like just talking a lot which i realize um uh it can go a lot of these you have to use like just your best judgment because there are just some people who talk a lot um my i'm one of them um uh but like uh, uh spreading rumors uh trying to cause dissent like uh trying to pit different members against each other things like that i mean it is it, there's a lot and it doesn't take much to go look it up. Just be aware of it. Educate yourself about the tricks that they use. Be mindful about who you organize with. I mean, you have, it's an unfortunate reality that you have to be incredibly protective over your space. And I, I mean, it's hard because obviously you don't want to gatekeep and you want to bring people in, like the more people that are in, the more work you can get done. Right. That's not always the case. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not always the case. So you just have to be careful. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate reality. I wish that you could just trust everybody, bring everybody in. It's all big, one happy family. That's just not reality. But I mean, what else can we do, though? Because I, I genuinely think that we need to be having this conversation more. Um, yeah, people, yeah, we do talk about it at all. No, it's, it, it, it's difficult, but I, I think people are talking about it more and more. And I think people are organizing in different kinds of spaces. Like we're organizing and yeah. I, I guess what you would call virtual spaces. A lot of people are getting together and doing podcasts and becoming our own media. That is key because yeah. 
you know, the, the whole time that I was in the progressive industrial complex, there was no independent media that was there to back us up. Yeah, that was a that was a a a huge uh, a problem for us constantly. And it, and so creating our own media and being able to talk about these stories that nobody else is picking up on is this is the only way that, that, that we can get this done. And then that'll show the way, you know, that'll bring people together and show the way to, you know, do better activism. Yes. Uh, it, and, and to the thing on the CIA uh, field manual, what I always say to myself is, do I have somebody in my group who's disrupting on purpose? You know, yeah. does it does it seem like they're just not going to stop? And that's that's pretty much the the alpha and omega for me. Yeah, just have your antennas up. Like I have a really good, at least I like to think so. I mean, uh, I'm sure every most people say this, but I have a really good BS detector, um, and I have a really, I feel like I have a really good uh, uh, like judge of character, and I can usually feel when somebody's being disingenuous, or I can feel when somebody's being fake, and I can like I just get, you know what I mean? It's just like that that instinct. Trust mm -hmm. that if somebody seems off, they're probably off. Um, but I love that you just mentioned that uh, because I feel like with the invention of the internet, with social media, with independent uh, uh, media spaces, I think that we have so many opportunities that we are missing. Um, and I think it's just because we haven't figured out how to wrangle all of those um, forums. And I think independent media is okay. Um, I get frustrated with independent media sometimes because I feel like a lot of people focus on dumb stuff. <laughs> Like clickbaity, mm -hmm. Candace Owens is fighting with Ben Shapiro. Let's talk about it for an hour. I don't care. I don't care. There's more important things to talk about. And that's not, if you're doing those videos or those, I, I'm not, I am kind of judging you, but I mean, I get it. It gets clicks, right? And I think that that's we're all, so, yeah. We're all judging just, them. We know who you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have anybody in specific, honestly. I didn't have anybody in specific um, oh, in I my do. mind when I said that. That was just, I, I just happened to do a show today about that subject. So I just uh, uh, had that in my head. But um, uh, so, I mean, I'll even go talk about it. But even when I did, I was on Fault Lines this morning with Malik and Jamaro. Even when I did that, I said, I would really like to focus, like get past the clickbaity internet drama mm -hmm. stuff and talk about the broader issue of what's going on here. And so I think that there's a way to cover those things while also trying to get to the substance. So again, I'm judging you, but I'm not. I, I don't mean it like mean spiritedly. Um, uh, it's just frustrating because I feel like independent media has potential, but I think it's so easy for people to fall into the easy clicks and the easy subscriptions. And it's, I mean, it's like if I mention Jimmy Dore in my video title, um, I'm going to get easy clicks and that's all you have to do. Mm -hmm. And it's it's lazy and I don't like it, uh, but I understand it. It is like, especially once you reach a certain level and it becomes your source of income, you need to try to appeal to the broadest base of people. So you want to make sure you're covering things in a way that doesn't offend anybody. That's not me. <laughs> Don't care. <laughs> um, that's not my style, but I, I that's understand why I, it. That's why I love your show. That's why so many people <laughs> love your show. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's just what we want to see. You know, there, yeah. a lot of the left podcasters, the biggest names, have aligned themselves with the same capitalist financiers that yes. are, are causing trouble in the progressive industrial complex. I think mm -hmm. someone's told them that, you know, you're just this far away from getting on MSNBC. And they're, yeah. they're like, oh, you know, how high do I, I mean, have hell, to jump? Some of them came from MSNBC before they were yeah. at 
You know what I mean? Like a couple of them, several of them came from MSNBC to independent media. Now it looks like uh, some of them are like uh, angling to be the next uh, co-host of The View or something. It's ridiculous. Okay. Unfortunately, Brooke, we are out of time. I want to make sure you have a chance to tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, all that good stuff. Uh, Definitely Substack. It's brookhines.com. I I customized it. And then Twitter is really where I spend all of my social media time. If I'm not looking at animals on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) And on Twitter, it's uh, at Nashville underscore Brook. And again, that's Brook with no E on the end. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really look forward to reading this article. Everybody go uh, follow on the Substack so you can check that out. It should be out maybe on Sunday. So definitely don't miss that. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, And I hope everybody has a great weekend. As Julian Assange says, learn, challenge, act now. And don't go anywhere. Timothy Shays right after this on TNT Radio.